Hello, this is Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager, Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. Rob, who's the guest we have on today? Oh, come on. We all know him and love him. Me? Why don't you give yourself an introduction there, Mike? Mike Rocher, manager of uh, our service center here locally in Denver, Colorado. So you you must be like the Maytag guy, right? Uh, nothing coming in there, kind of quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have our fair share. <laughs> How long have you been with Bona, Mike? Let's see. April will be 37 years. So I I don't claim to know it all, but I've seen quite a bit. 37 years with Bona. you got to be like one of the number one guys. Uh, I am the number one guy. Are you? <clears throat> yeah. Have you outlasted everybody? Yeah, by about eight years. <laughs> mm, that's not good, you know. <laughs> you know? Good, th- you <laughs> good thing, bad thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you never nah. want to be, you, you never want to be that number one guy. Yeah, uh, we we enjoy what we do. Uh, that's awesome. that's what's kept us here. All right. Well, some of what we're going to be talking about today is uh, maintenance on the equipment, uh, proper use of the equipment, and this is the guy who's going to answer all of our questions. I know I had a. I get a lot of questions at the schools, and I know Wayne has some questions, uh, especially off of running on generators and stuff. So, why don't we just start there? Um, Power State. Really, we were going to call this uh, podcast "Job Site Curveballs," and then we ended up talking. I'm. I think the biggest job site curveball is definitely power. You know, lack of power, especially in new construction, things like that. Uh, so what do you think about that, Wayne? Yeah, and you know, for a guy that doesn't know a lot about electricity, um, this is a you know we were very fortunate. We had a distributor that was close by that that you know, and, and we lived in a uh, an area that we had access to uh, uh, you know information and, and technical support when we needed it. And a lot of guys don't, and a lot of times you don't have this question come up unless you're on a job site. So I think it's great to talk to. Uh, you know, Mike is not only uh, you know one of I think Bono's most valuable employees, but if you if you if you go around the industry and talk to to guys that uh, that have been in this industry for a long time and work on machines, Mike Mike's uh, name is at the top of the ladder. So it's a uh, great to get a chance to talk to you, Mike. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure hanging out with you guys for a bit. So Wayne, you just said that uh, you don't know a lot about electricity. No. Um, I was on a job in Oakland when I first got into the trade, and I really didn't know. Uh, I know a little bit now, and I knew nothing then. And uh, I was on a job site where uh, we were working on apartment buildings. In fact, that's where I pretty much uh, cut my teeth. Uh, I was working as a, a journeyman carpenter and doing floors on the side, and, and because just because I loved it, it wasn't because I needed the money. It's just I was, you know, uh, learning the trade that I that I loved, and. Uh, uh, so these apartment buildings, they had a bunch of different challenges with them. And one of them was a, was the power. And one particular apartment building, it was three attorneys that owned about eight apartment buildings in the Bay Area. And one building had uh, 12 units, and the downstairs was a store. And um, so I, I had to hook up the power when I opened up the room. And I, I was like a, it was like a you know massive commercial. I had no business being in there whatsoever. But I knew I had to plug into it, so I shut off all the power to all the units, including the downtown, down the store downstairs. Uh, <laughs> so after I got hooked up, 
and I started walking out. All the unit, uh, the residents were outside asking what happened to the power, and the guy downstairs, well, he lost power to his store. And uh, so I realized I had a long way to go to worry about power. So I'm not much better than that now. Uh, when we started, we clipped in with alligator clamps because that's the way we were taught. You know what I mean? I mean, it just couldn't have been, you know, uh, a worse scenario. So. Well, I always thought that most floor guys, including myself, uh, can we all consider ourselves master electricians. Yeah, that's... I always thought that because of, uh, you know, one of the ways... We used to use a lot of three-phase doing a lot of commercial work, and um, I was hooking up. We didn't use uh, alligator clips. We used kind of like jumper cable clips, you know, the big ones? Yeah. And uh, we were working in Pease Air Force Base out in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and one thing led to another, and I wasn't paying attention, and I woke up in the Pease Air Force Base Hospital. Run that by me again, Rob. Uh, when I was hooking up, I was holding on to the side of the box oh. uh, when I shouldn't have been, and then as just as I was about to place the cable on one of the incoming legs, the uh, manager of the place had said something to me, so I quick turned and looked at him and missed the leg, but my hand didn't, and blew me over the counter and next thing you know like i said i woke up in the hospital pauline wasn't too happy about that how many kids did you have at the time two yeah i mean you know electricity is no joke man have you ever uh arced a screwdriver on the side of a box against a box yeah that's absolutely uh, that'll that'll uh stop your heart so glad we can get a chance to talk to mike about doing things the right way Mike, one of the things that uh, that questions comes up a lot of times is the, the power station that Bona has. Can you talk about the advantages of using a power station? In the old days, uh, the power we used to call them power boosters, and they would they would bring the power up. Didn't have the ability to bring it back down. Um, but the the power grids have changed in a lot of areas, right? I mean, can you explain the the what that power station does? Yeah, totally correct. Um, back in the old days, um, I, I used to pull up on job sites, and this goes back when I was driving a truck, and floor guys would have leather shafts hanging on the back of their doors, and I always wondered what they were for, and then it got explained to me. They would wrap them on, and they would climb up the poles to scrape the insulation off the wires to clamp into it, and it was, <laughs> it, it was because they did not have access to, uh, to plug into, as, you know, today... You, you could, you know, pull out a dryer and use that plug or range and, and whatnot. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, it, some crazy stuff. And, and we think about it today and just go, man, you know, um, how dangerous it was. But, um, but today's voltage now, um, they, the requirements for the equipment has changed over the years as well. So um, um, where distribution is is sent into neighborhoods voltage can fluctuate it can be you know uh, as far down as 190 200 volts on one side of the street and as high as 250 on the other and um most floor guys it's you know i don't uh, i don't expect them to be electricians but for them to to know the requirements and stuff of their equipment and what they need to run them efficiently they should hook up with qualified electricians and have guys go out to the job sites and actually wire in the pigtails that are needed. 
in in cases where there are low voltage, um, then that's where the the power station comes in. Um, it is able to to step up the voltage, or in instances where there's too much voltage, um, you run the same thing. You can stress a motor, increase amp draw, and and uh, wind up damaging things that way. But the power stations of today will actually now step down the voltage to the required amount. So really becoming partners with a with a qualified electrician as, you know, of today, it's it's illegal for anybody to really go poking screwdrivers in the boxes for, you know, for those same reasons that Rob had, <laughs> had just uh, mentioned. <clears throat> and uh, just because it's dangerous. And um, then the electricians would actually, they, they would have a rundown of the equipment that is going to be used on the job site then they can, you know, further add the pigtails that are needed to, to do things in a safe manner. That's pretty much the whole legit of it. Another question I get a lot of times, uh, Mike, on the power stations is the, um, you know, the three-wire to four-wire and how you hook that up. Can you explain, can you explain that to everybody? Well, uh, again, <clears throat> finding or becoming a partner with a qualified electrician and have him, you know, evaluate your equipment and then um, job site to job site, they're, they're going to be different. You may have a three-wire hookup. You may have a four-wire hookup. But uh, what, what that actually means is <clears throat> on a three-wire hookup, you'll have two hots and an earth ground. On a, on a four-wire hookup, you'll have two hots and earth ground and then a dedicated neutral. And that's what confuses a lot of people. And there are ways to do it but that are illegal and, and dangerous, you know. So again, getting set up with a qualified electrician and have him create the, the correct pigtails that are needed for those situations. And then once that's done, hang them on the back door of the van. When you reach that job site where, you know, which one's needed, grab that one and every, everybody's safe. That's, that's, the, that's kind of the rundown on it. So your recommendation is to let the electrician you give him the hardware and let the electrician build your pigtail for you. That's correct. And and then it's okay. d- it's done correctly. Um, you know, it takes all the guesswork out of a, a floor guy, you know, opening up panels and, and doing all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, and, and, and sometimes there's a, a minimal cost for, you know, an electrician to go out and do that. You know, it's a usually a, a service charge. But you build that into your, you know, your square footage of what you're saying and and um, it's just a safe way to do it. Yeah, sometimes it's just also just the cost of doing business. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I see equipment come in, you know, every other day that, that there's damage done. And it's because of running on the wrong voltage. So, which brings up a couple of questions, uh, Mike. Um, if you're running your voltage too high, how does that affect the machine? And if you're running it too low, how does that affect the machine? Well, it, what it'll do is... is voltage goes down, amperage goes up. And amperage is what kills things. That's that's the heat. And uh, and on the other, on the high side, it stresses the motor, increases the amp draw, and the heat is what burns things. Amp is heat. I like that. Amperage is heat. Down. Amp is heat. So can you talk about line drop um, and what that means? And uh, if you do have, let's say you got to run out three, you know, 200 feet or so or 300 feet, where do you put the power station in that scenario? Uh, try to get the power station within 50 feet of your equipment. So 
over great distances, voltage will drop. And that's just due to resistance. And that is um, your, your cable connections, size of cord, distance traveled, all those come into play. So <clears throat> you want to at least get the, the booster as close to the machine as you can. It's not worth boosting voltage right out of the wall and then having it drop on the way to the machine again. So get it to the machine and then, you know, go from the from the power station to the machine with, you know, your last, say, 50 feet or so. And um, another question I had for you, Mike, is blowing out the, the motors and, and what have you. How important is that? You, sometimes you see guys blow them out after every job. Some guys will never blow them out. Um, what is the importance of that and, and how often do you recommend that? that? That'll fall underneath the maintenance category. And that should be a daily maintenance. Be, before the machine is put away, they, they should have, uh, you know, I mean, everybody carries a pancake um, compressor. It's not that you need a, a huge industrial compressor to do it, but, but blowing the machines out versus blowing them off. There, there's a big terminology difference. Blowing them off just makes the outside look clean, but blowing them out is getting the dirt, the dust out of the motor. Um, dust will be the enemy. It collects in the motor. Um, it'll act like an insulator. The motors will not be able to dissipate the heat like um, th that they should. And then again, cause, you know, winding damage that way. Dust gets inside edgers. Um, you get dust around the carbon brushes. That'll, that'll create premature wear on carbon brushes. So it, it's, yeah, definitely it's a daily thing that should be done. Hey, Mike, what about, um, you know, for a lot of new construction, guys running off of generators? Okay. Well, it can be done. However, the most common um, myth, if you will, is people will look at a, a label on a generator and they'll say it's uh, 7,000 watt. And um, they'll say, yeah, that, that's enough to run my machine. However, it's not enough to start the motor. So again, hooking up with somebody to, to actually have it sized correctly um, would definitely be a bonus for the guys. I mean, it takes a guesswork out, but adding up um, the, the equipment, looking at all the nameplates on the equipment that is going to be run off of it, um, adding up the, the full load amps on there. Then you got to remember there's what they call slippage. And that's basically, that's just to the, get the motor, get the inertia going. And, and motors will draw three to four times running out just to start it, just to get it going. That's where people fail. So when you look at a, at a generator that can actually start the motors, it, it's going to be on a tandem axle trailer and people don't realize that. So, so, wow. so that, that's important, Mike. Uh, and I'm glad you asked that question, Rob, because uh, I, I experienced this, you know, when I was a young contractor getting a generator and then uh, thinking that was going to be the, the, the solution. And, but uh, so you're saying that it has to be something that's pulled on a, on a, you know, on, a, on an axle. Uh, um, and the other challenge real quick is, uh, is the tie in to those generators. You know, sometimes it's hard to find those too. So that needs to be all done ahead of time. So yeah, hit that a generator again or a little bit more so, because that really intrigues me because this really caused me a problem on a job. Yeah, yeah. well, generators, 
<clears throat> what happens is if you add up all the amp draws on a machine, usually by doing the math, and this is just kind of rough figures, you know, if you wind up at a, at a you know, a, a large industrial rental company that is a supplier of these type of generators, they will typically do this math for you and, and size it up for you. But basically you do the math and it winds up being around in the 18,000, you know, watt range or what they call 18 kVA, but they don't make one of that size. So you'd step up to what is generally a 25 kVA and, and that size of, uh, a generator is going to be on a small tandem axle trailer and it's going to take you know a minimum of a half ton pickup to pull it around and stuff and uh that will be you know suited and again they would um they would make sure you had the, the correct connections so if somebody was going to get a generator man i strongly suggest to take all the pictures of all the nameplates of the of the machines that are going to run off of it at any given time. And that would be your big machine, a buffer and edger, yada, yada. You know? Okay. So Mike, uh, let's say I got uh, eight machines out in the field, eight guys, you know, the machines are, are not, not cheap nowadays. Um, what schedule would you want the guys to get on to, uh, to, to run healthy machines? And, and is it just a matter of blowing them out every day after every job? Or is there anything else that, and, and, if you're going to carry electrical tools, what are the most essential tools to carry on a job that you might run into? Well, again, um, putting a, putting a voltmeter into somebody's hands is is kind of dangerous. Again, you know, it's on that safety side. Trying to explain to somebody to stick wires inside an outlet, you know, to measure voltage is dangerous. <clears throat> that, that's one reason why we here at Bona install voltmeters on the equipment so that anybody can plug in and you can actually read. And it's very similar to a gas gauge in a car. If you get in your car, you know, you can read and see right there uh, how much gas you have. Um, it, that takes a lot of, of that safety stuff, you know, and into consideration. Um, but the four guys that, that if you have several crews, there's a lot of guys that do installs and I often ask them, where's your equipment sitting while you're doing the install? Well, of course, it's sitting in the truck. Well, that should be a time that it's down at a shop getting looked at. And, um, you know, you could schedule it. And that way the machines are not down in, in need of time. Um, downtime, whether it's voltage related, whether it's maintenance related, uh, takes the machines out of the out of the field and you know if a machine's not cutting wood somebody's out of business it's uh funny you should say that because we uh i got this idea from somebody and it's something that we used to do all the time is when a, when a guy was going on vacation for a week is when we would schedule to have the machine brought in ahead of time uh you know so uh, he, it wasn't out of the field yeah oh yeah i i asked him i said you guys take a vacation well of course they go on a 10-day fishing trip every year it's like, where's your machine sitting <laughs> in <Yes>. the truck? <laughs> so <clears throat> that's a great time. Hey, Mike, I got a, I got a question for you. Um, what number are we looking for? What's our range? I mean, for, especially for people out there who are running the Bona equipment on the Belt HD and the Power Drive. Where are we? 
Where should we be setting the power station for those? What you do is you look on the nameplate and there will be a what's called a base winding of the motor. That number is, is what the motor efficiently runs at. So, for instance, you look at a motor and it says 230 volts. That's going to be your optimum voltage. That's your target. Now, anything above or below that is going to increase the amp draw. And as we mentioned earlier, amp draw is? Heat. There you go. I've been listening. Exactly. And and that heat is what burns things. So that's going to be your target. Now, some motors have a base winding at 200 volts. Some have 230. Some have 240. So that's going to be your target. Now, that typically is is there for, um, you know, say the, um, the windings itself. Now, above or outside of the windings, you have your switches, your capacitors, all the connectors, your plugs, all those kind of things. They don't fall into that category, but typically the windings will have a 10% plus or minus range to them. But again, your switches, plugs, and all that stuff, it's going to be the weak link that we see that burns first. So that's what we're looking for. When we want to set the power station, check the side of the plate, what the machine you're running, and that's going to tell you where you should be setting that. That's correct. All right, so let me ask you a question. Would it be better to be a couple points over or a couple points under? Well, um, all the, the variables that come in there are the distance of, you know, that you're running your voltage and, and all that stuff. There, there again, <clears throat> the power station, what, what's really neat about that tool is you don't necessarily have to boost, boost the voltage or drop the voltage. You can just run the voltage straight through it. So, you know, if, uh, if the meter's on there, see what the meter's reading when you plug it in, and then that will help you make that decision whether you need to boost it or not. When somebody comes in and, and they have, a, you know, something electrically and it could be that the machine doesn't doesn't start or something of that nature, I always recommend to, to I want to see their cords. I want to see uh, how they plug in to the, you know, from the machine to the wall. And um, there are some cases where, you know, there's been some issues that are actually on the job site. And... Uh, and that can be, you know, a, a plug that, you know, was not wired correct or a plug that had loose connectors. And, and you know, and even though the floor guy has all of his ducks in a row, it could be that, you know, that one plug there on that job site. Um, but, yes, I, I'd like to see everything because I can eliminate cords real quick and uh, and then motor on and, and, you know, do some troubleshooting to find out what is where, where something lies. Uh, so let's talk about cords for a minute. A lot of times you see cords that have been run over a few times and they've been, you know, using the same cord for 15 years and there's nicks in it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we talk about guys putting the cord around their neck and what have you, but should a guy, what's a healthy cord? I mean, is there a lifespan on a cord and, or, uh, is there any, any, uh, anything we should know about the cords even? Well, there, there can be, um, it depends on how well they take care of them. Um, I see oftenly when somebody drops off a machine, cords are just kind of thrown into the, the back of their truck or their van, and there's, you know, 200 feet of wood laying on it. Um, 
the the copper wires inside are strands. And if you ever see them, you know, different size, different number of strands for different size of, of gauge of cord. And if those strands, you break a couple of those. And that could be somebody just, you know, slams the door of their van and their cord's still hanging out. You know, they just reopen the door and throw the cord in and, and go on their way. Well, now, technically, that cord is not a 10-gauge cord, per se. It, it can be, you know, now it can be a 12-gauge cord or a 14-gauge cord. Now, you know, you can run the um, the possibility of the damage just because of the resistance that's generated in that little area. One, one of the old tricks that I used to do uh, in, in sanding is that at the time, well, at, at, at the time that we used to change dust bags, um, it, which would be, now you could say that the time to change a piece of paper. Um, when you shut down and you go head to go get a new piece of paper or something, pick up your cord and just touch the, the connector. And all you got to do is touch it for just a second. If there's any value of heat there, shut down, go unplug everything and start checking connectors. Um, it, the heat value comes from resistance and that can be from loose connectors or anything like that. When you're drawing current through there, it's going to, that resistance is going to create heat. So if you pick up the plug and it feels like it's room temperature, go about your business. But if, if you feel it and it's warm, because I'll tell you, nobody picks up their cords and then walks them over and sets them down next to a, a wall as they're sanding. Everybody I know grabs a cord and snakes it like as if it was uh, cracking a whip, you know. <clears throat> and all of that tugging, <laughs> that that will loosen loosen the, the, the screws on, on the wire. So, yes, it, it was just a simple little thing you, just to go pick it up, feel it, and, and go about your business. When I uh when I'm removing the ground from my 110, Mike, what should I use? Should I use pliers or should I cut that? <laughs> well, you shouldn't remove any grounds. That ground is there for protection, and it's your protection. So definitely, uh, I, I I used to drive my old partner crazy. <laughs> we, we always yeah. We we see machines. We worked in a lot of old. We worked in a lot of old houses, and jeez, uh, I'll, I'll yank that off. Well, I'll put that back on later. I used to tell him. You know it's voltage will travel the path of least resistance and that's what that grounds for is so it goes back to the panel and it goes to earth ground rather than coming to you and then setting you on your rear end ah you, you see wayne see how much we're learning today yeah, absolutely you know now i am a master electrician now <laughs> there you go you you got a world-class repair center going on there in denver What's some of the most common issues you see with equipment that's being sent into you? I'm going to say probably the most common would, would fall under the electrical category, and that is due to running on the wrong voltage um, or, you know, anything of uh, the bad connectors. So it's really not any any machine or any no. issue with the type of machine. No. It's it's burning up motors, not a not enough power or too much. There's not a machine out there that's exempt from these kind of problems. And that that's one thing, you know, it's just everything out there is subjected to these kind of issues. But I'm going to say it's going to be electrically related or it's going to be from lack of maintenance. And again, these guys run these machines day in and day out until something breaks. 
and and then it's like they bring it and it's like man you should have been blowing this thing out you know six months ago or you should have been and uh, I, I always relate it I say you know when your pickup truck every 3,000 miles you're getting an oil change on it or you're getting a service on it that thing only gets you to the job these machines are your bread and butter they're the ones that perform the work and yet they're the most commonly overlooked and forgotten about that's a big problem that's huge you're right so what are some of the best pieces of advice you can give for maintenance i mean you really you, you really touched on blowing off but i liked how you said blowing off is good but blowing out is what we want to be going after blowing out the inside of the drum the motors things like that what, what are some of the other the connectors oh definitely yeah um you know, if somebody was to shut down on a, a half a day on a Friday, they could spend the rest of the day, you know, going through their their equipment. And that is checking connectors, making sure all the screws are tight, you know, making sure that there's no bad spots in cords. I, I often see cords show up and, and there'll be black tape on it. That black tape is a neon sign to me that there's a bad spot on there. It could be a neon sign to OSHA as well. If somebody was to visit a job site, and I hear it all the time, is like, ah, you know, they don't worry about that. However, it's that time that they don't worry about it is when it will happen. And um, so when, when you damage a cord, don't just wrap it with black tape. Repair it. Get it done. If it's cut the cord in half and put, you know, connectors on it, that will save, a, you know, a 100-foot cord. You have two 50-foot cords. Um, there's things like that. If you're, if you damage a cord within 10 feet from the end or something, cut it off, move your plug up. And now you have 10 feet of pigtail material. So there's ways to, you know, so you're not losing stuff, but, but get it taken care of. It's, um, that will damage things, you know, down the line. That's good. Uh, good experience and a lot of knowledge, Mike. So, just to recap this, if you if you have to go into a panel, send the most inexperienced, least valuable employee to do it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I send the rookie. You want to test the bravery of a rookie here. Yeah, I like that commitment. I like where you're going on that one. Yeah, but make sure uh, you sprinkle the floor with water. Here you first. go. Just hand him a screwdriver and some. Here you go and a pigtail. Figure it out. Well, you know we say the same thing about dust containment about. Um, using some, uh, you know, um, very highly flammable products out there. And the same thing with electricity, you know, we're, if you were getting paid NASCAR money, maybe it's worth risking your life. But, you know, as Rob said, he had a couple little kids at home at the time. And, and, uh, that's the thing about accidents, you know, they call them fluke accidents, but you know, bad habits over a long period of time is just kind of rolling the dice. Right. And, uh, you know, we take this kind of stuff for granted, and it is really so important to keep our livelihood. There's a lot of people depending on us, um, and um, so this has been a this has been a, a great to have you on here, Mike. Again, um, before I even work, went to work for Bona, I would talk to uh, uh, mechanics across the country, and I have to give a shout out to to the guys that work on our machines. There are they're like floor guys are a different breed. These guys that are working on our machines at the distributors and uh, some of the manufacturers are some of the best guys in the, in the industry and uh, we'd be uh, lost without them. And, and, you know, who has ever had a machine that they couldn't get going, man, it's just so great to have this knowledge and, 
you again, Mike, uh, I've known I've known of you well before I went to work for Bona, and it, and it it came from other highly respected mechanics in the industry. So thank you for spending some time with us. Hey, I, I got a couple more questions. Sure. Hey, Mike, um, how many um, trainings do you do a year? Because I, I know you do just an equipment repair type training thing for dis- distribution, things like that. Mm-hmm. How many of those do you do a year? Well, we actually, oh, heck, we had 18 trips um, year before last, before a big move on, on the books. Um, going around and, and, and training guys, bringing them up to speed on stuff is very, very valuable, um, not only to the local contractors, but also to me. They can be my eyes and ears out there, and, and if they have questions, I'm a phone call away. And the ultimate thing is to get the machines back up and running out in the field where they're, where they're sanding um, as fast as possible. Um, again, if it's not sanding, you know, somebody's out of work. And um, so I would run around the country and, and do some training with some guys. And now we've actually, as of last year, um, we started a certified service center. So now they get much more training, one-on-one, hands-on, and, um, and it very, very, uh, these mechanics are going to be a lot more educated um, and I can send them, you know, they, they will do warranty work. Um, and, uh, it really benefits me to, you know, and, and it keeps the machine close to the contractor instead of having it sent halfway across the country to get, to get worked on. That's awesome. Mike regional support is so important to, like you said, not having to send machines halfway across the country to keep that guy going. Uh, one more thing, Mike, um, how long have you had that iconic Tom Selleck mustache? I, I, I since I've known you, you've had it. From, how how long have you had that? From my days of driving a truck as a kid, delivering flooring. No kidding. Yeah. The Tom the Tom Selleck of Bona. Well, Mike, listen. Thank you very much for your time. We'd love to get you back on and talk about big machines, uh, you know, uh, waves and chatter and that type of stuff. And for but to, a topic for another time, but. Uh, we really appreciate having you on, and thank you again for your time. No, absolutely. It's a pleasure being here and uh, hanging out with you guys for a bit. And again, I'm, I'm right out in the garage. Fair enough. Town. Stop in and see us. <laughs> Sounds good, Mike. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. And th- this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.